Hello, Vikings fans. Welcome to the first new edition of the Vikings postgame report for the 2021 season. It comes after a tough preseason game number one, where the Vikings fall big time at home, score only six points in a game where they're routed by the Denver Broncos. Most of the starters were announced to not dress about 90 minutes before the game. So it was a bunch of backups for head coach Mike Zimmer, but still the head coach is not happy with the way his team opened up the 2021 preseason. So with that, I bring in my good friend, Ben Lieber, who I haven't got a chance to do this with in a very long time. Let's start out with that. I'm just excited to have you back on the show, Ben. You know, it's good to be back with you, Chris. I mean, we, we always have some some good laughs, and it's fun to talk football with you. And even though this is preseason, there's, there's obviously a, a lot of stuff to talk about, and we'll just kind of take it from there. You know, I was surprised that, these starters weren't going to play at all. You know, I, I thought, you know, it's going to be interesting how every coach handles the, the three preseason games as opposed to four, but I just thought, man, they, they got to give these guys some reps, or at least a series or two, but uh, that was not the case. Yeah, that was not the case. Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, uh, just some of the names that did not participate in this game. You go up and down the list, you can look at the defensive side of the ball as well. What were your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on kind of the starters getting some reps going forward in the final two preseason games? Well, my guess is that they were pretty happy with the way they competed in the two joint practices they had with the Broncos. And that's, that. see, that is a little bit different. You know, when I was going through the league, it seems like many, many years ago that we didn't have as many joint practices. And so it really was uh, sort of an unknown about how you were going to compete against other people. And now that they have incorporated more joint practices, I think coaches are kind of getting a, a more controlled environment, but yet still an intense environment to see how these guys are developing. So he must have just been happy with the, the, the starters and the two deep guys that uh, he gave them the day off. And I would expect that next week, though, they would probably play, I would say, the whole first half. And then maybe we look at the third game. You know, that might be with a two-week break after that. That might be you know, most of the game. Well, let's look at what happened in this game in the first half. And I saw a tweet from you kind of just recapping everything that happened there. There was obviously a safety from the left guard, Dakota Dozier. There was a pick six in the first half, the first round draft pick, Patrick Sertain, and just a ton of mistakes on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So Ben, what are your overall takeaways with how the Vikings opened up this game and opened up the preseason? Well, you know, I, I hated to send that tweet because I'm like, here's my first Vikings related like game day tweet. And it's it's a negative one. But, you know, I, I try to be as honest as possible. And uh, there really wasn't much positivity in that first half. And like you said, like you kind of laid out, it was the pick six. It was penalties, um, the holding call, which led to the safety. I thought defensively they looked slow. They looked non-reactive. Um, there was a missed tackle by Cam Dantzler early in the game in which you don't, you don't expect that from Cam. At least I don't, you know, I know that he's, he's probably a little confused in why he's out there and, and not getting some rest, like, uh, like some of the, of the true starters. So he's maybe a little upset that he's understanding where he is with his lot in life with the Vikings, but you still have got to step up and play intense. And I thought there was a lack of intensity in the first half from the defense. Uh, they were really slow in the play action pass to Hamler over the top. You know, I think that I mean, a lot of people are going to look at, at Cam in that situation because he was the trailing corner. But to me, that looked like both safeties bit down hard on on just a basic cover four drop 
So there should have been a safety over the top. And so it was, it was eye discipline. It was intensity. There wasn't enough aggression on the defensive line to stop the, the zone blocking scheme, which they should, you know, they sound like they don't see the zone blocking scheme every day in practice. That's so, right. Um, all of that was pretty disappointing. Well, we bring in Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson, and, and Ben was just referencing an 80-yard touchdown pass from Drew Locke to K.J. Hamler, where it looked like it was obviously Dantzler, the cornerback on the play, but there seemed to be a breakdown with the safeties as well. Gabe, why don't you break down what happened on that play, and, and was it just a kind of a brain fart for, for no better term early in the uh, preseason? Yeah, I think it was a rookie mistake for sure. Like, like Ben said, it was definitely cover four. Uh, the, the safety's eyes were looking at the tight end. The tight end had a, a, a deep, well, I guess a deep curl. The safety, which was Cam Bynum, he jumped the curl, and there was just a post over top by K.J. Hamler. So, of course, Cameron Dancer only has a quarter of the field where the ball was thrown. That's where Cam Bynum should have been. So it was clearly um, a rookie mistake, and you, you can't have that. But I guess the, the only positive from that is that it happened during the preseason in the game that it didn't count. But you, I'm sure... Carl Scott will be drilling that play, rewinding that play over and over and over uh, come Monday when, when they go, when the guys go to the film room, because plays like that can't happen. Like an 80 yard bomb, like that's, it's kind of reminiscent of last year in a nutshell. So we'll get that fixed. I'm sure Harrison Smith will be in his ear also, but yeah, just a blown coverage. Ben, I want to ask you about the offensive line and what you thought about their performance. We already talked about Dakota Dozier's tough, uh, holding penalty when Jake Browning's in the end zone, which results in a safety earlier in the game. I believe there were a couple more penalties to follow for Dakota Dozier, but just the offensive line as a whole in the running game, in the passing game, do you see any positives? Obviously there were some negatives as well. Yeah. You know, I thought early on, they just, there were some honest mistakes with just, I think some over aggressiveness on pass sets that, um, you know, they were, they were kicking back a little bit too hard, a little bit too fast, not playing patient. And that, and that, that just happens with nerves and being the first preseason game. So I, I think you can live with those. But I think they just seem out of sync because of all of that, you know, kind of too amped up in the pass rush and stuff. They really understood that they needed to protect the quarterback. Um, but then that led to mistakes. And they started to compound each other with, with penalties, putting themselves bad down the distances. And then I think in the running game, they just weren't as, as aggressive, kind of like our defensive line, as they should have been. And, and I think, to me overall, it is a very short and very small playbook for the first preseason game. And it starts to build from there. So what you want to see on the first preseason game is just aggressiveness. It's just guys flying around. And I think on both sides of the ball, we had a lot of guys just thinking and being afraid to make mistakes rather than just going out there and making plays and being instinctful. Gabe, did you see any players that went that really went out there and made some plays? I know Chris Boyd is one to talk about who makes a big-time pass deflection uh, in the red zone there on a, on a key third down. But any other players on the offensive or defensive side of the ball that really stood out to you? And any positives you can take from this game? Yeah, I, th I think the one positive uh, outside of Kellen Mond, you know, just – pulling the ball down and just being decisive on some of his runs was Patrick Jones the second. I mean, he had two TFLs. He, he was always near the ball when, when, the, when the runner had the ball. I mean, he just he, – he didn't make the plays that, you know, that were across the field, but the plays that came to him, he was, he was right in the mix. And going into this this season, everyone was talking about his motor. You know, he doesn't take the playoff. He, he, he doesn't um, quit on plays. Like, he, he's going to give you his best shot pretty much every single play. And, like, we, we saw that. We saw that. So I think 
you know, when you look at the film and you turn the film back on of Patrick Jones the second, you say, okay, you were aggressive, you competed, now let's fix this. And that's a start. I think that's what, you know, Mike Zimmer had the, the shortest uh, halftime interview uh, of all time that I've heard since I've been here. Uh, I think it was Ben Lieber said, hey, so what do you want to see from your guys in the second half? And Mike Zimmer said, just compete. Like, that's it, and, and, and left it at that. So Patrick Jones the second competed. And at this point, when you, when you lose a game 33 to six, you just want to turn on the film and see guys that competed, and Patrick Jones did that. So you build from there, you you, you fix the little things, and you, and you learn and you grow. Steve, I believe it was Greg Coleman who had to deal with the head coach at halftime. Well, that was Greg was Coleman? <laughs> well, I don't think it was you, Ben, was it? No, it was not. It was Greg. Oh, yeah. But I'll take yeah, the credit. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll take like credit Greg wherever I can get it. Anytime I can throw a brand under the bus, I will, I will that's do exactly, my best. That's exactly where I was going with that one. But <laughs> I, I know you, you mentioned it on the broadcast, Ben, just how truthful Mike Zimmer has been all throughout training camp and how truthful he was at halftime with the Vikings radio network. So what are your overall takeaways? Just hearing that from the head coach, recognizing the situation and obviously being as blunt as possible with what occurred out there on the field. You know, I, I appreciate it, you know, not only just from a fan, but from a media member, I, I appreciate his candor and honesty because I, I think where you start to lose some people when coaches or really anybody that when you see something so open and obvious and then the coach comes out and, and sort of like says something the opposite of that or sugarcoats it or, or tries to diminish it. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, we're not idiots. You know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people aren't in the game. And so I know that there's some details to the way some guys played, but we can all see as a fan base watching the game on television or watching it live that that was not a great effort and that was poor execution and all of those things. So I, I just love the fact that he's, he's not, um, he's not trying to minimize that at all. And, and I think people can really respect that. And so I hope that through the course of the season, and I know things get more secretive as the season goes along, I, I still hope that we get this uh, very honest Mike Zimmer going forward. <laughs> I think everybody likes it. I think the players like it. I think it motivates them. It makes them want to be better. And I did hear him mention that he wanted Kellen Mond to be more deliberate with his decisions. And he did give him a little bit of a compliment on, on his performance in the first half. It seemed like in the second half, Gabe, that he started to do that, whether it was taking the ball and running on his own or making some passes down the field. He made a great pass to Wap Fillier in the back of the end zone, which could have been a touchdown and just got broken up at the end of the play. So what did you see from Kellen Mond in the, in the second half compared to the first half? Yeah, I just saw his confidence building. I think that was the, the biggest part. Did the game slowed down to him. I had tweeted out um, right, at the end of, right at the beginning of the of this second half. I said, I think Kellen Mond just had a, I think I can play in this league moment. Um, he had two back-to-back -back first down. He was, you know, sliding. He was confident in running the ball, but also staying in the pocket. I mean, he wasn't just looking to run the ball every time. Anytime he got pressure, it was putting the ball in, in tight pockets. Also, I mean, that's that's all you can ask for a guy that's only practiced three days. Um, so seeing those three days of practice executed out here on the field, I mean, there's there's a lot of things you can clean up. But I think to Mike Zimmer's point of what Kellerman did well, I think it was just the decisiveness. We, we know um, a lot of people say that, you know, he's kind of robotic in some of the things that he does. But, you know, when he puts the ball down, he, he runs. And, he, I mean, well, of course he runs, but he, he's looking to make a play. And I, I think you can build on that. I mean, we saw the sideline getting getting up after him, you know, after he had a couple of runs. And I think that just opens up the 
the, the entire offense when you when you got a guy like that that can you know be a dual threat and put pressure on the defense. So I was I was impressed. I know Mike Zimmer, you know, he was impressed in the sense, but at the same time, you you know what you see on film tomorrow, and you know what to to fix and clean. But that first driver, that his first drive, you know, uh, they threw the ball away, and then there was a screen pass where. I thought he could have gave the running back a little bit more time instead of throwing the ball away too soon, but it, it seemed like he settled down a little bit more, and that, and that was good to see. And you got a chance to talk to a lot of the key players on this Vikings team who did not suit up today in Patrick Peterson, Justin Jefferson, and the big man in the middle, Michael Pierce. What, what were your overall takeaways from talking to those three guys and for Vikings fans who weren't watching the broadcast? Well, you know, with Peterson, he's just uh, he's just a pro in everything that he does. You know, he gave you know great answers. You know, I specifically asked him just sort of like, you know, your free agent process. You know, you you, you had some teams calling you, but then you sought out Mike Zimmer on your own and uh, and had a discussion with him. And you know, he was just gave a great answer about his it's Mike Zimmer's reputation, and he respects his defense so much that he thinks he can come in and help, and he feels like he can be a key part of this uh, defensive turnaround. And so. I think it just, again, speaks volumes again about the the type of coach and the guy that Mike Zimmer is. And, uh, you know, with, with Justin Jefferson, you know, his his biggest thing and my biggest thing watching him this year is everybody keeps talking about, you know, not just finding success, but it's really tough to repeat success. And um, he seems to have a very humble approach about that and, and understanding that, yeah, he realizes last year was last year and, he, and this year has to live on its own merit. And it sounds like he's doing everything that he can with Keenan McCardell to to find out all those details about how to beat, you know, double coverage, how to beat a rolled coverage, you know, because he's going to get that much more consistently this year. And he's going to be the number one target to stop on this offense in the passing game. Um, so he, he recognizes that. And I think self-awareness is such a big part of, of any, anybody's development. And then, you know, with Michael Pierce, it's um, – you know, he's just such a likable guy. You know, he's a big body guy that really you know, is. sort of soft-spoken, <laughs> you know, sort of soft-spoken with a great smile and a great demeanor. And uh, he doesn't seem like the guy that's going to smash your face in when he gets on the field. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that's the one thing to like about him. And, and he too recognizes, I think he recognizes how hungry he is to get back out there, you know, after sitting out last year and how tough it was. Um, he recognizes how difficult of a decision that was, but he's, he's hungry to get back. He knows that, um, he, he's being counted on for being a run stopper, but Andre Patterson's really helped him become a pass rusher as well. Ben, if you were a nose guard, I think you'd be exactly like Michael Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just a little yeah, more hair. I guess it's a compliment. You know, I, I would take his strength for sure. <laughs> what, what about his hair, Ben? Uh, listen, man, I'd take any hair I could get right now at this point. I'm losing so much of it. Well, I really enjoyed all of those interviews for all of us who didn't get to see these guys out on the field today. It was great to get some insight uh, from Michael Pierce, Jefferson, and of course, Patrick Peterson, as always. But I'm going to throw this one to Gabe. You have never seen a skull chant at U.S. Bank Stadium with fans there. So what was that experience like for you? So I, I, I saw it when we played you guys back in 2019 when I was with the Washington football team. As a and Viking. That was, as a as Viking. A, but as a Viking, it, it, I mean, there was only, what, 45,000 people here? And it was – I had goosebumps just watching it. I had to pull my phone out and just actually soak it all in because 
dude, it, it is a sight to see. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I know everyone, pretty much everyone that's listened to this podcast is, knows what the score chain is or has at least been to a game in U.S. Bank Stadium. But, dude, I, I can't even put it into words, like, that, that feeling. Like, the energy was just here. Like, it felt like it was a sold-out game. I mean, of course, compared to last year, but, dude, it – that that skull chant, I can only I can only imagine what it's going to be like uh, September 26th when the Seattle Seahawks roll roll in. But uh, it, it'll never get old. I can be here 10, 20 years. The skull chant will never get old. And today was, I got hyped. Like I, it felt like regular season week one when I heard that skull chant. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like let's let's get out here. Let's let's do this thing. I love it. I was I love that you were able to experience that. And I know we're all looking forward to that first game, uh, week one against the Cincinnati Bengals, but. I'm throwing this to you, Ben. Any last takeaways heading into preseason week number two against the Indianapolis Colts? Well, you know, I obviously want to see the starters get out there and compete. And, um, you know, I want to see a little bit more of a diverse game plan. You know, I think everybody, no matter if you're a first-time offensive coordinator uh, or an experienced coordinator, you're going to have a very vanilla first game as far as the playbook goes. I, I want to see what Clint Kubiak can do to dial up a little bit something more, you know. A little bit more creativity, uh, challenging his players a little bit more. And, um, you know, I want to see this defense. You know, the, there's potentially, what, right now seven new guys on defense. Seven of the yeah. 11 are going to be guys that we didn't have last year. I want to see how those guys communicate. I want to see how they, they flow within the game. You know, I want to see this run defense do a much better job than it did today. And I want to see if uh, Dalvin Squared and Pierce can go out there and shut people down. And, um, you know, maybe we start seeing a little bit of flexibility with this defense as well, starting to get some pieces to move around on third down. You know, we're, we're implementing you know, a little bit of a, a three, four scheme, some roving guys, and really confuse the offenses uh, outside of just the double A gap look. So I want to see a little bit more robustness, I think, from the whole team overall. Gabe, final thoughts. Ben took it right away from me with the offensive schemes. Of course, with Clint Kubiak being the new offensive coordinator here, we want to, I mean, the big question going into this offseason, like what's going to change with this offensive play call? Are, are we going to throw the ball a little bit more? Are we going to run a little bit more? I know we're not going to get uh, the entire playbook next week, but I want to see if there's, if there's any creativity, any more creativity within this offense. Um, of course, we know Dalvin Cook probably won't play, we, uh, but, but with your starters being back, what does that look like? How, how do you adjust to uh, picking up, you know, how do you adjust to being in second and five or second and 10, second and 15? Like, what, I, want, I just want to know what the, what the play calls would be like. And I guess on the defensive side of the ball, just seeing all those guys being on the field at one time, like Ben said, seven new guys. Like, that's – now is the time to make the mistakes. Now is the time to see how, how, how do we actually mesh together when it comes to game time action. And when you have a P2, like, like Lieber said, Dalvin squared, um, Anthony Barr is back. You can do so much. So what does that look like? How do those guys mesh? How does that all fit in? And what will we see in the first two quarters with, with our new-look Minnesota Vikings defense on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium? I think it's safe to say that all three of us are excited for this Vikings team. We're excited to see the starters out on the field and for that week one game against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a tough one today, 33-6 to at U.S. Bank Stadium, a game where the Denver Broncos outgained the Vikings 387 yards to 235, and a game where the Vikings were flagged eight times for a total of 68 yards. There was a pick six for Patrick Sertain and an 80-yard touchdown from Drew Locke 
to KJ Hamler. So a lot of negatives for Mike Zimmer to roll the tape and teach these young guys how he wants them to compete on both sides of the football for Ben Lieber, for Gabe Henderson. This has been Chris Corso with the first edition of the Vikings post-game report from U.S. Bank Stadium.